boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you all on this Saturday morning, the 11th of May. I've got two great guests lined up for today's show. Corey Hiscock, the track manager from the Meadows, will explain the concept behind the two new distances being trialled there. And with the Sandown Cup heats, not, they are next week not far away. Norman McCulloch will be joining me to reminisce about his champion, the immortal Bold Trees. What's making news around the kennels? The Speed Star Series was conducted at Sandown last Sunday and proved that match racing is what gets our attention. Flynn took out the Bill Collins match race, Neo Cleo won the race callers and Dinah Chancer the Liz Reen. Dinah Patty, straight off her Warnable Cup win, recorded the fourth fastest time ever at Sandown of 28.99 in the Speed Star Consolation. Next week, Thursday, is set to be another big night of racing at Sandown with heats of the Sandown Cup. Harrison Dawson and Sapphire Crown with a Group 1 finals for each held the following Friday. Tier 3 racing returned on Thursday at Warrigal, which is good news for participants. Tornado Tears trailed around Sandown on Wednesday in preparation for the upcoming RSN Sandown Cup heats next week, where he will be attempting to make it back-to-back Sandown Cup should he get, it th- get through to the final. Robert Britton was pleased that the pad injury he had sustained during the Association Cup series has healed perfectly. Heading into state now and Racing Queensland unveiled a major overhaul with the Brisbane Cup set to become the showpiece amidst a winter greyhound racing carnival. There has been a massive stakes increase with the Brisbane Cup now to be worth $250,000. Racing Queensland will be hosting a super night on July the 4th, which will include feature races over all of their five distances. It's an exciting concept and there has been plenty of information in the media in the last few days that can be sourced. Still on Queensland and Victorian chaser Seneki won the Queensland Derby on Thursday night for Stephen White. In what was quite a rough affair early, his sister Tewitchery put in an eye-catching run at the Meadows last Saturday night only to run second, but she's having her second attempt there tonight. And finally, the final of the Bob Payne Winter Stake is on tonight at Wentworth Park. Robert Camilleri has Slingshot Hammer engaged in the $25,000 final and will start one of the favourites. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And joining me now on Talking Greyhounds is track manager from the Meadows, Corey Hiscock, to talk about the new 448 and 462 metres that they distances that they are to be trialling over. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Simone. It's a, a great concept. Um, can you tell us how this all came about? Uh, around about 12 months ago, uh, the general manager of the Meadows, Mark Long, uh, posed the question to me of if we did need to race over a, a shorter distance um, did I have any ideas around where that would occur um, with clearly an, uh, a view of having that occur as safely as possible? So uh, Mark was a little concerned that greyhound numbers were beginning to shorten and uh, clearly 12 months ago we were looking at a period where it was going to get uh, quite tight for numbers of greyhounds racing over 525 and, and above. Uh, so that's where the initial uh, idealisms come from. And you've had a couple of trial sessions already, haven't you? And um, how have they been going? Uh, we've had one session so far where, um, thankfully, uh, Team Daly come into the, the fray with some dogs to assist us with just the initial setup of the concept of whether it would actually work um, in a practical sense. And since then, uh, we're struggling a little bit to 
uh, get some attention from greyhound uh, trainers publicly to come and assist us uh, because because it's a um, a temporary trial. It's uh, it's a, a little bit of an issue around things like uh, no timing and stuff like that that might be scaring a few people off. It could be good for pups, though, couldn't it? Um, people just wanting to give a dog a run around a track with, just for experience without, um, you know, worrying about the time at the moment. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, effectively, what's, what's occurred is um, some of my uh, thinking around, around the starting position was that uh, I'm not a big fan of starts on turns and uh, even more so when it's sprinters. So, those kinds of races can be um, high-level interference and... And depending on the type of track, if it's like a, a 310 or something like that, if you, if you get a bit of a check at the start, your race is just about done. So the idea was to, I believe that racing is better when greyhounds are actually starting on the track proper and basically exit the boxes and run as straight as possible. Uh, so that's where our GRV uh, track designer came up with a, an initial couple of positions for us to try. So that's where the 448 and 462 comes from. And effectively what happens on this trial um, period is we have a, a crane come in and uh, it's holding onto the boxes. The boxes are actually sitting on the track and lifted after the greyhounds exit. And it's all about getting the least amount of interference in the initial stages of, of what would be a racing distance uh, to, to make racing as safe as possible. And this is purely to collect data, isn't it? So the greyhounds that are trialling will be wearing tracking devices that you can collate then at a later date and see which will be the starter's safest starting point. Hence the reason times are really irrelevant in this, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, so uh, that's exactly right. The greyhounds will be wearing tracking um, discs and that allows uh, the Meadows and GRV to uh, correspond with the U- University of Sydney, UTS, and... Um, come up with uh, what the best results are out of that. So it's certainly all the um, trials are performed in a controlled environment. There'll be um, vision of the trials as well, head-on vision, um, to give us as much data and um, I guess even some of it is slightly opinion-based too of what you know people like myself would think of how the trials are operating from each particular distance. Um, so to effectively come up with what we think is the best possible scenario. So how long do you think this trial period may go for, Corey? Um, or is that dependent on the amount of participants that actually support it? Um, is there any time frame with that? Yeah, so initially we were thinking we might be um, looking at about three months for this. Right. And um, clearly it is a little bit dependent on if we if we get enough greyhounds to be trialling out of it each uh, Friday morning. And um, if anyone's interested in trialling over them, it's our... Our object is to have uh, half greyhound fields, so four dogs in a race, right. and um, that it allows us then to, to get a true indication of, of what the dogs are doing out of the start, whether they're crossing or interfering or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is important to get some participation from, from people. Given that there are so many 450 metre races or around that distance around the state um, on your provincial tracks... What, how does that work now with the 525 if it was to be implemented? Is 525 always going to be, be the priority at the Meadows or would it be become something more normal, having a 450-metre distance? Uh, yeah, so early days, um, my discussions with Marg and, and uh, are that the priority for, for the Meadows would always be towards greyhounds of 
500 metres and above and to maximise their opportunities where possible. And the again, the idea of a, a shorter distance was to complement the racing, more so probably on a Wednesday to begin with. That's, that's one of the meetings where... Uh, uh, the Meadows has struggled for nominations and being able to frame 12 races, but I certainly could foresee that, uh, you know, perhaps the club ra- runs um, some heats and finals into a Saturday night and allow Greyhounds over that sort of 450-metre distance to race for city prize money. I think it's a great idea because you can get your Greyhounds that are perhaps more suited to this, uh, the country to see how they would go over, around a two-turn track with... Um you know, over a shorter distance as well. And who knows, it could be that perfect step up to get the Greyhounds up over the 5.25, if not further as well. So it sounds like a, a great idea, and it's almost like, why hasn't this been done before? Um, yeah, but it's, it's, uh, sometimes it takes someone to drive a project, I guess. <laughs> and um, it's also about uh, has technology advanced to the point where it allows you to create things like a a starting position on the track, and and that's certainly something that um, the Meadows and, and GRV are advancing at the moment with the potential for for um, a complete rethink of, of how greyhound racing is is run from a from the position of where the, the starting boxes are. So this basic concept, this could be applied to your other distances as well in the future, couldn't it? Uh, to see which would be the most suitable starting point, perhaps. Uh, absolutely. You're <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the back of my mind, and this is nothing <laughs> from our club or anything like that, but uh, in the back of my mind, I one of my learnings uh, in greyhound racing is that um, greyhounds don't achieve their full speed until after around about 100 metres, so between 100 and 150 metres. So that'd be six or eight seconds on the clock. And... Um, what I've found is that starts that are actually closer to a turn, to the entry of a turn, although they still have interference between the greyhounds, the level of impact is not as great because the momentum is not there. So that was part of the thinking of, of the um, 448 and 462 was, although we're starting right on a turn, there's actually very little speed of the dogs at that point. Mm, mm. Um, so I could foresee that, you know, we if we use our 525 metres as an example at the Meadows, like if we were to bring that forward down the track and it might become, you know, a 500 or a 490, that that actually can have an impact on the interference, uh, the, the level of interference and the height of it down on the first turn, which, uh, and because uh, a lot of injuries in greyhounds actually come from interference, that can therefore have a positive impact on your injury rates. Oh, and that's absolutely what it's all about these days, and it should always have been um, safety and welfare of the greyhounds. And Corey, I know you've been in this game a long, long time. You've seen many, many races. What is it about thirty years or something? You've been doing this, if not a little bit longer. So, I think you're very well credentialed to be able to make some of these decisions or give your opinion on some of these things. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I've pretty sort of think left field at times, and. Uh, like all of these things, I think if, you, if you're thinking something, you've got to, where possible, attempt to trial it and see if it works. And um, so, you know, I'm always on the lookout for, for new ideas. And um, I guess the, the basic principle that I go by is how can we get a greyhound run, a race to run as cleanly as possible? Mm. So it's, it's looking all at all of the 
the elements of that, of where the boxes are positioned, what the design of the track might be, what the design of the lure might be. And um, mm. certainly even in that area, we're starting to make some changes and uh, move forward with that as well. Uh, it looks like there's plenty of exciting times at the Meadows. Let's hope the trainers do get behind this and um, really give it a go and trial these greyhounds over the 448 and 462 metres so that you can get that information and make some decisions. So thanks for joining us this morning, uh, Corey. That's been great insight into the new concept at the Meadows. Thanks for that, Simone. If anyone is interested, just give the office a call and uh, or come and speak to me directly at the track and we'll follow it up. Great. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. With the Sandown Cup heats next week, we can't think about the Sandown Cup without thinking about the immortal bold trees. And Norm McCulloch's back to join me on the phone this morning to talk about the, the mighty dog. Good morning, Norm. Good morning, Simone. Very good. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you on the phone again um, on the show. Look, bold yep. trees, um, we all still talk about him, but can you take us back to that time back in the 80s when you purchased him as a pup at six weeks old for $1,000, which probably was quite a lot of money at the time. Well, it was a bit at the time. I had a couple of dogs going all right at the time. And I was down at Ned Bryant's getting a few uh, checked over one morning and his wife came out and said, do you want to buy a pup? And I said, oh, <laughs> not that fussy. But anyway, she talked me into it. And, uh, of course, you know, Roy Treese out of Irish Tempest and Irish Tempest, she, she won a national distance and... Yeah, so that uh, that's how it happened. That's how it happened. A, a, touch, a touch of luck, I suppose. Well, you have to be lucky sometimes, but at 18 months old, he won his maiden at Warrnambool over the 450 metres. Was there any indication in that run to you that um, he may have gone on to be quite a handy dog? Oh, yeah, he, very, he was very strong, very strong as a pup, you know, and uh, I hung off a bit, of a, a bit uh, before I did race him. But... Um, yeah, no, that, that first uh, John O'Flaherty called, well, Boltrose can't win. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he got a bit of a shock. He, he just rattled past him like not, nothing, you know. No, he's very strong. And then at 23 months old, he uh, won the state final of the national distance back in 1986. Uh, I remember that year. It's the year I started high school. <laughs> but um, And then he ran fifth in the nationals, didn't he? Because he hadn't had a trial around the Gabba and you said it was quite a tight track for him. Oh, very tight. You know, he was going all right too and just sort of got to each corner and just sort of run off a bit on each corner. But no, it was a reasonable run. But that, especially for his age, he hadn't had many starts then. Well, that's right. would be um, probably one of the least experienced in the final. And that travel up there, I'm assuming that would have been the first time that he travelled? Yeah, 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 it was. And after that, Norm, you were offered um, about $25,000 for him, but you knocked it back. Um, you must have known that there was bigger things on the horizon then. Yeah, that was big money too. And uh, I thought, oh, no, we'll keep him. But the moment we knocked the money back, you wouldn't credit that he, um, he'd done a hop yeah. the next start. Yeah. So uh, he was out for a while. He'd done the hop twice. He was out for lost about uh, eight months racing in his career, you know. Oh, really? Right. So I I guess on the surface we look at these four Sandown Cups and think, oh, you know, everything must have gone to plan, but um, back home it wasn't quite the story. Oh, no. No, you just had to, uh, like there was no set set race or distance races them days. I remember one time we went, like you had to have him on the mark every week just in case they got a field. And I remember we went seven weeks at one stage without a race for him. Right. You know, it was just uh, it was just free to all those days, you know, sand down Olympic and 
and you just didn't know when you were going to get a race. You did a lot of walking back in those days too, didn't you, Norm, as opposed to galloping? it was ga- ga- Free galloping probably wasn't as um, widely used as it is these days. Um, oh, no. No, no, it was hardly heard of much at free galloping. But uh, no, a lot of walking, a lot of swimming behind the boat, trotting him on the motorbike, that type of thing. Very rarely trialled. I suppose we would have, wouldn't have trialled him six times in his life, I don't reckon. Right. So if you had Bold Trees these days, would you train him the same as you used to or would you do things differently? Well, as you know, Simone, things have changed, haven't they? Like tracks have got quicker, uh, training for Sylvie's better. Oh, no, I don't think I've changed anything. So I'm not really a trial person. I just like to work them at home and trot them around the motorbike, a few hand flips up the beach, that type of thing. Mm. Yeah, well, obviously it was a, the winning formula for him. He went on to have 103 starts, 51 wins and 34 placings, won over $100,000. At that time, that would have been unheard of. 127,000. Oh, 127, right. He right. was a, he was uh, Australia's record holder for about uh, 24 hours. And one of uh, John Murray's dogs, I just can't think of his name, won a $50,000 race in Sydney. You know, and it put him about uh, 5,000 in front of us. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. four, four Sandown Cups, I mean, it, it's just one of those things that will never, ever be done again. Um, what was your favourite Sandown Cup? What was your favourite win? Uh, I thought the second win was a big win. Like, you know, he was getting knocked around back at the tail and, and come home and won. That was a that was a good win. Even the fourth one, you know, you sort of, you, you know, you go on there with a few doubts at his age. And uh, uh, look, Simone, all good wins coming from behind like that, you know, he gives you a bit of a kick. Yeah, even sure? the one in Tasmania, the Launceston, it, it was it was a great win over there. Well, let's take a listen to his fourth Sandown Cup here now, Norm. Racing, Boltrees jumped only fairly, winning the start towards the outside was Blade Action, it's showing good pace, it's going to get across and lead early, Boltrees will settle down last, and the leader, Blade Action, by two lengths, into second, strong colour, then Chantilly miss around the outside, further back in the field to Snowtastic, out very wide, smart choice, then high intensity, Boltrees is back equal, last with Star Dreamer, but out of the straight, and Blade Action the one to catch, he led by three into the back, Chantilly miss was second, then strong colour, a length and a half, then to Smart Choice, back on the inside, high intensity, then Snowtastic, Boltree starting to wind up but he's eight off the lead and last of all was Star Dreamer. Blade Action still in front by two lengths. In seconds by Chantilly Miss. Here's Boltree's the champ. He'll do it. Boltree's, what a great dog. He wins a length. What an outstanding animal. And Norm, when you hear that, does that give you a thrill again? Give you chills? Well, it puts a bit of a lump in your throat, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And look, I didn't even have, I didn't even know the dog at the time but just, um, oh gee, it yeah, it really is. It does make you a bit emotional because I guess yeah. to the, the public, he's just this champion. And like you mentioned the other day, um, people are still talking about him. But can you understand why we're still talking about him? <laughs> well, that, that's 30 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I used to get the people to the track all right. But, um, you know, uh, I remember over in Adelaide when we won the All-Stars there, we had a bit of a night out. And it was about after 11 o'clock when we were leaving and there was... Four or five people standing at the gate to walk when we walked out with the dog and said, oh, geez, you might have me lad, pets a dog. And do what you like, take him for a walk for me. Oh, and uh, since that day, that lad's always sent us a Christmas card. Oh, 
Wow. 30 years. Wow. And I guess yeah. 30 years, it seems, you know, like a long time ago for the dog, but we're still talking about Farlap 100 years later. So I don't think we're going to stop talking about bold trees, particularly when we've got the Sandown Cup around the corner. He's got the race in his honour. But the other thing, Norm, we tend to forget is um, he contested five Sandown Cups, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And uh, I was a bit late getting him ready there because I had no intention to run in it, but... Uh, Simone, he was very unlucky not to qualify for the final. He only missed out by a nostril. He just sort of got himself mixed up into a bit of trouble. Mm. I suppose at that age, his reflexes wasn't as good as they used to be. But uh, he ran into the back of one and cost him a place in the final. And that was his final run then, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's he... I think he'd been a nearly six-year-old then. Yeah, he would have to have been. So when you look back now, you've had greyhounds all this time, Norman. You've got your handy greyhound, Crimson Vixen, at the moment. You've had some handy chases throughout that time. But do you look back now and think um, what an enormous achievement that actually was because how hard it is to get great winners now? Terrible hard to... uh, Everyone sort of on me, even Keel, and it's... it's, um, You've got to be lucky to get a good dog today, you know. And they, the tracks are so hard and fast, and they don't stand up like they used to. Do. Well, I'd say they're not as tough as they used to be, are they, Simone? The, the dogs, I don't think they're bred as tough and robust as they used to be. They're more, more the, uh, bred for speed now. That's that's probably a good point because it possibly, or well, I think the tracks would probably be safer these days, Norm, than back then. But um, perhaps it is down to the breeding um, because we are always looking at the safety issues but just finally Norm what do you remember about Bold Trees' personality um, was there any quirks that he had in the kennel what what was special about him to you personally look you could lead him around the piece of cotton he was that placid you know he never never barked in the kennel never done anything wrong you know just whatever you wanted to do with him he'd he just seemed to have that brain, you know. He'd get on the walk machine first up. You'd think he'd been on it all his life. Right. Everything you went to do was was uh, no problem to him, you know. But as I say, you could walk him around a bit of string. He's just a true professional, wasn't he? Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, and anyone that um, heads down to Warrnambool in the, the rooms there can see that amazing photo of him standing on the beach there with his four Sandown Cups. Um, like we've said so many times and we continue to say, this will never, ever happen again. He was just such a special greyhound. Well, Simone, at, when he was racing, any dog that broke a track record got a $1,000. He broke the record at Sandown one week. He broke his he broke his own the next week and he broke it again the next week and they give up giving the the thousand bucks then. <laughs> you were costing them too much money, but uh, yeah. uh, yeah. he's but, get... uh, he held a record at Monceston, uh, Ballarat, Sandown, but you know they'd be all gone now because uh, you know they'd probably change the tracks a bit. Yeah, for sure. But Norm, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you about bold trees, and um, we'll continue to talk about him. No doubt into the future because he was just such a champion. Thanks for your time again this morning. Good on you, Simone. Thanks very much. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Away in racing and Orson Allen commenced brilliantly from the centre of the line and the big boy's going to zip across and lead by a length and a half pants on fire, circle of dreams and then Venn's revenge. A break to well back Notorious Mac and check to last Baru Gabret down the back. 
Orson Allen scoots away, led it by five lengths, Circle of Dreams, Pants on Fire, then Venn's Revenge, three lengths, Notorious Mac, and a similar margin, Baruga Brett, but Orson Allen, well, he's got all guns a-blazing tonight, five or six to Circle of Dreams, and Orson Allen, a terrific winner, won it by five lengths to Circle of Dreams, third, Venn's Revenge finding the line, then Pants An on Fire. An outstanding run again well, there to Orson Allen Mac in the free-for-all in the time of 29 and 18 at Sandown on Thursday night. Last week's dog to follow, 8-Ball, won his match race defeating Lagoon Rhett in the Speed Star running 29-37 on Sunday. My dog to follow this week is Steinbrenner. At only his fifth start, he ran a 29-42 at Sandown for Brett Bravo and our very own George Ferruja. He's a litter brother to Black Hornet, who was my dog to follow a couple of weeks ago. Best bet tonight uh, might be some value with Keeper of Keys. Race one, number six tonight at the Meadows. He comes off some quick sandown placings. He's a reasonably be- reasonable beginner with not a lot of pace inside. Box six probably isn't ideal, but this greyhound's been in the money five t- out of eight times to date. And we have plenty coming up next week at Sandown, one of the best nights of the year of racing. The RSN Sandown Cup Heats, along with the Harrison Dawson and Sapphire Crown Heats. Until then, you keep those tails wagging.